0: You are listening to The Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of Bombshell.
1: You have to adopt the mentality of an Irish street cop. The world is a bad place. People are lazy morons. Minorities are criminals. Sex is sick but interesting. Ask yourself what would scare my grandmother or piss off my grandfather, and that's a Fox story. Oh, it makes so much sense. Women are
2: everywhere. We're letting them play golf and tennis now. HR's on the phone
1: because you called me a skirt.
2: Yeah,
3: Yeah. i got to read that manual again.
1: (laughs) The attitude off camera was even worse. You're a man-hater. Learn to get along with the boys. You're sexy, but you're too much work. I have a whole list. Will other women come forward?
3: You may have heard there was a dust-up involving yours truly and presidential contender Donald Trump.
2: There was blood coming out of her eyes, blood coming out of her, wherever. Oh my but... God.
3: Did he just accuse me of anger menstruating? Wait, am I going to be the story? No, No. I'm going to be the story. No.
1: Nobody stops watching because of a conflict. They stop watching when there isn't one.
3: I want
2: to convince you that I belong on air, Mr. Ailes. I think I'd be freaking phenomenal on your network.
0: I could pluck you out and move you to the front of the line, but I need to know that you're loyal. I need you to find a way to prove it. I'm the bad
3: guy. You know why Roger's got that door blocking his office. Mm. <laughs> Someone has to speak up. Someone has to get mad.
1: Fox News star Gretchen Carlson dropped a major bombshell
3: today. What is she doing? This could kill Fox News. We need everyone on Team Roger. Get it on. Put it on. These are the end times. You do understand I have to be above this, right? You know the entire country is talking about your period right now. So you're a tough girl, like you really will. Just can't get enough, but
1: it's just Sweetheart, this is an island of safety and truth. There's
0: a man. Ready to go to war?
1: Oh yeah.
0: All right, everyone. You were just listening to the trailer for Bombshell, and the story is as follows: a revealing look inside the most powerful and controversial media empire of all time, and the explosive story of the women who brought down the infamous man who created it. The film is starring Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman, John Lithgow, Kate McKinnon, Connie Britton, Malcolm McDowell, Allison Janney, and Margot Robbie. It is directed by Jay Roche and written by Charles Randolph. Joining me for this podcast review, I have Dan Baer.
3: Good morning,
0: Tom O'Brien. Hi everybody. And joining us as a guest for the first time ever here on the Next Best Picture podcast, she is an assistant editor at RogerEbert.com. I have Nell Minow.
1: Good morning, gentlemen.
0: Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us today for this uh, podcast review of what is definitely a very, um, I don't want to say controversial, but let's just say it's got people talking. Um, One might say that it dropped like a bombshell on the Oscar (laughs) season this year. Uh, This was something that was a little bit late-breaking. I remember when the teaser dropped, we were all like, oh my God, Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman, and like, Margot Rock." like, what is this cast? And so... The anticipation was there, the excitement was there, it had the prime release date, Um, definitely the pedigree with Jay Roach as the director, Charles Randolph, Academy Award winner, uh, co-writer for The Big Short. The question is now, do all the elements come together to create something great, or do they all come together to create something else entirely? Now, you are our guest here on the show, I pass it off to you first. What did you ultimately think? Of bombshell,
1: I thought it was great. I thought it was stylish and provocative. It appropriately had kind of a heightened tone, as we've seen before with uh, director Jay Roach and his and and also uh, screenwriter Randolph in their previous films, like the big short. There's a heightened tone that's very appropriate for the intensity of um, of this story. You know, in another era, it might have been an opera to convey uh the what was really going on and now we have a little bit of a a sharpness and a satire you mentioned the teaser trailer which i thought was uh sensational it's one of the best moments in the movie where it's just the three women in an elevator not talking to each other and the tension is very very high and you just can tell so much about what's going on even though there's no dialogue
0: yeah, no, you're definitely right about that for sure. It, it's a, it was a moment I remember we were all faking to ourselves, is this a scene in the movie? Yeah. Is this something that was specifically made just for the teaser? Right. And then, of course, we got the uh, full trailer uh, later on, and there were a couple of takeaways, I think, that we all got from uh, those initial visuals, which were Charlize Theron was doing <laughs> an incredibly spot-on uh, transformation as Megan Kelly maybe not as intense as what she has done with her Academy Award-winning performance in Monster, but this is definitely a transformation uh, for sure. And then it was a little while before we saw uh, Lifkow and his transformation into Roger Ailes, Um, Nicole Kidman, Gretchen Carlson, and Margot Robbie, though, she's playing a composite character uh, taken from uh, multiple sources and uh, really is someone who's, I guess, put together to reflect... Um, the experiences of a lot of different women at Fox News.
1: Yeah. Charlize Theron said uh, at the event that I attended at the Motion Picture Association that this was a more difficult uh, role for her than the one that got her the Oscar uh, in Monster because everybody is so intimately familiar with this character. Everybody knows what Megyn Kelly looks like, what she sounds like. Uh, and also, uh, you know, Charlize said, uh, you know, I'm very sympathetic with, uh, a lot of what was going on in this movie. On the other hand, she says a lot of things that I'm kind of horrified by.
0: Yeah, definitely. We'll get into that in a little bit, into the degree of empathy, uh, for these characters that the movie is definitely clearly trying to get at. I'm going to pass it over now to Tom. Tom, what were your initial thoughts on Bombshell?
2: When I first read that they were going to be doing the Roger Ailes scandal at Fox, I had uh, I was just like red flags went up all over the place I thought oh my god this is gonna be vice too and happily it's not uh, it is uh, it, it disarms you with comedy in the beginning and then slowly 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 the uh, the horror of it begins to uh, set in what has happened to these three women uh, who represent, probably very many other women at Fox news, the toxic masculinity culture at Fox uh, is uh, depicted beautifully. And uh, I'm frankly baffled that it's only 60% on Rotten Tomatoes because this really, I agree with Nell. It's really one of the best films of the year.
0: All right. All right. And finally, We'll kick it over to Dan Baer. Dan, what were your general thoughts on Bombshell? And then we will all
3: get into specifics. So I first saw Bombshell at press screening um, over a month ago, I think, right? When we saw that? Yeah, it was a while ago. Definitely a yeah, bit. It was a while ago. And I liked it at the time. Um, I, thought it, I thought it was good. I thought it maybe had some issues with the tone of the movie, but overall it was good. Um, and it, I knew after leaving it that I, I wanted to see it again. Um, because I just felt like there was a lot that I missed the first time through. Um, it is a surprisingly short
0: movie. Yeah. It's less than two hours yeah, long,
3: not yeah. even two hours. And like, it goes by very fast and I just, there was something compelling about it that I was like, I, I need to see this again and so I went last night and I I think it's even better than I initially gave it credit for. I genuinely do. I think it is incredibly smartly structured. Um, there were a lot of things on the first time that I one like I thought were uh, stylistic things that the movie didn't really follow through on, that it's sort of like tried on for a scene here, a scene there, and then abandoned. And it, that kind of bothered me. But on a second viewing, the, the reason for those things were kind of thrown into stark relief. And I am, I'm even more impressed by it now.
0: Yeah. Righty, We're going to get into specifics now. So, Tom, you brought up the 60-something percent on Rotten Tomatoes. The movie's got definitely a divided reaction uh, from people so far. And I think a lot of that does have to do with one's own personal biasness that they're bringing into the movie and how they already feel about some of these characters that are depicted in this movie, Megan Kelly being one of them. I think there definitely is a challenging aspect to this film, um, and this is something that I like. I like being challenged when I go to a movie. I like being challenged on my own preconceived notions, um, and f- to get me to sympathize with Megan Kelly or see her as some sort of a hero, uh, Gretchen Carlson, uh, maybe maybe a little bit more so, but she's kind of uh, sidelined, I feel like, a little bit in favor of Megan Kelly a bit more, maybe because of... Um, uh, notoriety um, in terms of uh, who she is as an on-air personality, but regardless of which, I think that that's something that a lot of people are very uncomfortable with, um, and it's something that I don't know necessarily – I, I I'm, like, I don't want to – I don't want to like talk down to people and say, well, no, you should feel this way, you know what I mean? like because we're all human and you know if something terrible like sexual harassment happened to one of us, uh, regardless of their political views or you may disagree with them on some issues, we should all be like appealing you know to each other's uh universal uh well-being as human beings, right? Uh, but I, I I don't know. it's really, really tough to have that conversation I feel with some people. and I think that's where. Possibly the film is definitely losing some of us. I also think tonally, yeah. Dan, you brought up the tone of the film. Now, you're telling me on a second watch, the tone worked a little bit better? Yes. Okay, because that was an initial issue I had with it, too. Like, the uh, graphics on the screen mm-hmm. and some of the visual gags. And I, the comedy is, is meant to be absurd comedy, I think. Yeah. Which, for Fox News, is appropriate.
3: And also a bit of, like, tension
0: relief. Sure, so that, that didn't bother me. The com- the comedic stuff didn't bother me. It was just more of the stylistic choices of the movie that I thought were a little inconsistent. Um, and I don't want to throw the guy under the bus or stuff like that, because I think he shot some really good films in the past, but Barry Ackroyd drives me crazy. <laughs> he drives me nuts with his handheld Zoom shooting style that works great in, you know, movies like United 93 or The Hurt Locker or Captain Phillips, but... I don't think it works for something like this still to this day.
3: If, if there's one thing that I think really doesn't work about Bombshell, like unequivocally doesn't work, I would think that it is the cinematography. I, and not that it doesn't work, period, but I, those, yeah, those shaky cam zooms and stuff, it. Uh, but in the
0: big short, though, because he shot that as well, it worked. Yeah. Because that movie had a lot of flashy editing to complement the kinetic uh, movement that that camera was constantly doing, you know.
3: Yeah, and like to the extent that it works here, it kind of has that thriller, like, oh, who are we? Who? What character are we supposed to be in? That's sort of watching this scene right now, sort of feeling, Mm -hmm. which is appropriate because all these women feel like they have to hide and be secretive, and you know, not sort of reveal their true selves in the place that they work.
0: Interesting. Now, what do you think of um, uh, the visual style of Bombshell?
1: Uh, I I see your point, but uh, for me, it worked because it conveyed the urgency, not just of the newsroom atmosphere, but of the emotional upheavals that were going on. So I was fine with it. I thought, as I said, that it kind of uh, contributed to that heightened tone. Uh, which I thought was appropriate. And, you know, one of the things that that I've seen that people are objecting to is they're saying, you know, these are not feminist heroines, don't portray them as feminist heroines. Uh, I don't think hmm. the movie does portray them as feminist heroines. It portrays them as people who've made a lot of compromises. And I think if I can use a term that is often used derisively, but try to use it not derisively, I think that people underestimate the impact of microaggressions. You know, it's not necessarily that you have to sleep with me to get your to get a job or keep a job or get a promotion that makes uh, the workplace inappropriate. It's just the constant, you know, that 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 uh, montage that we see of things that Brian uh, Kilmeade and others said to uh, Gretchen mm-hmm. Carlson, which are all absolutely 100. percent from life, you know, just shows you the just sort of the shower of uh, disgusting compromises that these women had to make all the time.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. there's a lot um, that I found to be very interesting, especially I think it's Kate McKinnon's character, Jess, who says to Kayla, uh, Margot Robbie's character at one point, I, I think it was her who says it, but she says something along the lines of, I applied For all these other uh, jobs and all these other news outlets, Fox News is the only one that took me. And once it's on your resume, no one else will take you after that. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, do you do you go and get the job that you really, really want, regardless of where it is, or you know, do you try to stick it out and just apply, 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 and maybe it never works out? I I thought there was definitely some very humanizing moments given to the people that work there um, that made me go, oh, well, just because they work there doesn't mean that they personally align with the policies and uh, everything else that Fox News uh, puts in place. So that was very revealing to me.
2: Added a working person's perspective to this because Kelly and Carlson are stars. And to, to just see it from their perspective, what is it like for a woman at Fox particularly a woman who may have uh, political and sexual orientation differences with the powers that be. What is that like to survive there? I mean, the Kate McKinnon, uh, Jess, is could be her own movie.
1: Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, in a way, she's kind of a mole in a way. Uh, she's a tragic figure because uh, mm-hmm. the compromises she made are making it impossible for her to get what she wants. And you can see, look at what happened to Gretchen Carlson. She's not had a real job uh, since this happened. She had an op-ed in yesterday's New York Times uh, saying, uh, please release me from my non-disclosure agreement so that I can talk about what really happened to me and get on with my life. I don't think that the odds of that are very good.
3: No. No. <laughs> no. Um, they also tried to to do that workplace thing um, with Megan Kelly's producers. Yes. Um, on our show, which I think are three of the more fascinating supporting characters in the movie um, who often bring up to Megan like, Well, yeah, you can speak up, but you'll be fine afterwards. You know, you're going to have you're a star. You're going to go on and you can have a get a job anywhere because you have an audience that will follow you. But what about us? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Mm. But
1: it's also the what about us argument that really is the turning point for her at the end is that she realizes that it's not just about her own compromises. It's about the. Um, the impact that her decisions have on people like uh, the Margot Robbie character. Yeah.
0: What did you guys all think about uh, some of these other real life uh, figures uh, popping up for what mm-hmm. amounts to, in some cases, uh, cameos, but seeing, for example, like Richard Kind as Rudy Giuliani, yeah. for example, <laughs> you know? People. What did you all think of, like, moments like that?
3: I mean, the Richard Kind as Giuliani, like, People laughed both times I saw this movie, and that came up who he was supposed to be. Yeah. Um, it's the, that is a moment, and the other one is the Geraldo near the end, yeah, yeah. Just, Oh, yeah, I don't know who they got to do that impersonation, but it's dead on.
1: And Judge Janine, um, uh,
3: oh, Alana, you back, oh, <laughs> yeah, sick, yeah. Um, and I know some people who have been like, you know, that uh, it's just a parade of cameos, and it took me out of the movie, and blah, 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 and to which I say, if, I feel like if that was your problem with the movie, you're looking for a problem.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, for me, that was... That was part of what made it so authentic. That was, again, that feeling of the newsroom is exactly right. And by the way, I have a friend who works for Fox News. And he said it was eerie at how 100% accurate uh, the the tone and the uh, characterization of that newsroom was
0: yeah absolutely there's other um i gotta i was trying to like think through like some of my favorite uh cameo moments in the movie of people who came on screen and i was just like oh my god but the one that like i thought was really really impactful and it happens near the end of the film malcolm mcdowell as rupert murdoch was was awesome isn't he great (laughs) He, he oh my god he
1: is he has absolutely been one of my favorite actors forever and I thought he was tremendous he just had that that brutishness that arrogance uh he was great
0: and I really really liked that there was also um, a clear explanation given for uh the power dynamics within Fox News yes. you know we think that Roger Ailes is where it ends and it's like nah he too has someone that he also has to answer to as well and we really really see the latter. Um, as it were, um, in terms of you got to go to this person who's going to then pass a message along to this person who will then go past this door and then get it over to Roger. And like, you know, they really do a good job, I think, of clearly showing uh, the inner workings, like you guys said, and how eer eerily accurate. I-, I mean, I don't know this. I've never been there before to the building, but it, it definitely felt. Extremely authentic to me in regards to how detailed it was. Yeah. yeah, it
1: reminded me of all the president's men, where you might remember they literally flew the contents of the Washington Post waste baskets out to California to uh, to replicate every single detail of the Washington Post.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. one thing that I know for a fact. Because it's being reflected, obviously, right now in this current award season uh, that most people do not have an issue with is the acting from the ensemble in this film. And we've already touched upon uh, some of the cameo uh, players in this. I knew Charlize Theron was going to knock it out of the park as Megan Kelly. She's an amazing yeah. actress. Nicole Kidman, for me, it was all about, like, how big was the role going to be? And Margot Robbie looked like she had, uh, quote unquote, Oscar scenes as it were, and she does have scenes. And when those big moments do come for her, I think she really does also knock it out of the park. Mm-hmm. The surprise for me in this one that I was not expecting, and that's probably because he was hidden a bit from the film's marketing for a while until the official trailer dropped, was John Lifkow yeah. as Roger Ailes. Yeah. He's, he's really good. It's not just the makeup transformation either. It is just the fact that John Lifkow is like this incredibly, incredibly likable human being. Uh, We've seen him in so many movies over the last, you know, however many years. Oh, yeah.
1: Going back to the world according to Garp, where he was just so Mm -hmm. lovely.
0: Yeah. And here he is playing um, someone who... I will say this. As much as the movie does attempt to humanize uh, Megan Kelly, Gretchen Carlson, and so on and so forth, the movie does not go out of its way to humanize Roger Ailes. No. He is just portrayed as, like, the true personification of evil, <laughs> essentially. Yeah,
2: essentially he is. I mean, he. I think he's only uh, softened slightly by Connie Britton as his wife. Yeah. But uh, I must say that uh, Lithgow really... I believed that uh, Roger Ailes engendered fear, because for such a nice guy, boy, Roger—I uh, mean, uh, John Lithgow can make a very, very scary villain, and he yes. really just brings mm.
0: it. It's that scream presence, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah I,
1: I can. I, I just want to say about sexual harassment. Sexual harassment is not uh, about cr- romance or intimacy. It's about power. Yeah. And we really see mm. that in the scene, the harrowing, harrowing scene with Margot Robbie.
0: Oh, God. I, which I, I have to say, I was really, really afraid watching that scene, just how far it was going to go. Yeah. And I know that there are a lot of people who think it still does go too far. Like, it never becomes graphic. But the tension and the uneasiness and just the overall ickiness of it all, there's a lot left to the imagination. And I think that it actually makes it um, worse slash more effective as a result. (laughs) You know what I mean?
3: Yeah. And this is part of what I was saying. Like when I say this, this script is so well structured. You know, we have two very important scenes before uh, and this scene comes earlier in The sea, I the second time through, I found that this scene came earlier than I had thought it did um, in the movie. But there are two very important scenes that happened before this, and they're both in the same context of the, this flashback to a former Fox News employee who sued and got blackballed and who knows what she's up to now or where she is. And there's a scene where... The, um, Roger does the same thing he says to Kayla is, you know, give us a little twirl. It's a visual medium. I have to see. And so that sort of like sets you up for like, okay, she's going to twirl around and he's going to, it's going to be awkward, but okay. And the more important one is the scene where, um, she is on the, um, this former news anchor is on a, a dinner with, um, I forget who it was, whether it was a a boss or an anchor, or another producer, or whatever it was, but he and he comes on to her and we hear in her mind the reaction to everything that he's saying and how do I play this and what do I do? What's my next move? Sort of thing. And ah, that scene is so effective in that in every scene after with this power dynamic you're hearing that inner dialogue yeah. even though they don't yeah. have it going on exactly and you can see like everything that i mean and margot robbie does so much great acting with her face and body language that she doesn't really have to verbalize anything you can see it you can hear it, and because you've had this setup you know exactly what is going on through her head and even though you kind of want to like push her out of the room and say leave yeah, but yeah. you also can't because you get you know, what this power dynamic is like.
1: Exactly. And you see that again, <clears throat> where uh, Charlize Theron as Megan Kelly is sort of kind of doing a calculus where she says, yeah, okay, yeah. he's been inappropriate a few times, but he's also given me very good professional advice. And you're like, dude, uh, what are you giving up for what you're getting here?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the one element of the film a little, you know, not great about, was that I wish there was an acknowledgement by the women as to their complicity in um, what they had to do to be a star. Um, they've been you know, milking Fox News a little bit for, for a while, and I'm very glad they came to their senses, but there is a kind of reckoning that um, Megyn Kelly has to come to. And does she balance it out? And she realizes that she has to do the right thing. And that's really important.
0: That also creates, I think, for a lot of conflict, uh, which I found to be very exciting to debate. It also gives us a uh, portal, if, if you will, into uh, her headspace, yeah. her decision making process. Yeah, you know
1: what? She's not Norma Ray and she's not Aaron Brockovich. When you say do the right <laughs> thing, she's doing the a little bit more right thing. She's not doing the right thing. Yeah,
3: you're right. right. Yeah. And it, it does. The, it gives her a kind of reckoning in that scene with Kayla towards the end mm-hmm. where Kayla's like, like like well you could have said something you could have stopped this yeah you know you could you're like it's fine for you but what about me and all the girls who come after yeah and but it it's true that it, even in that scene she she says you know like yeah, I did eventually get the job at Fox News. I did what I had to do. And Kayla goes, so you did it. You slept with him too. And she and, and Megan's response is something to the effect of like, I can't. I, I wish I could remember the exact words she said, but it's basically something to the effect of like, grow up or something like that.
1: Yeah. And
3: mm-hmm. I do kind of wish that the movie had been a bit more explicit and like, well, if she didn't, And because the movie is kind of making this argument that, like, that is how you get ahead, or at least that's how it's perceived you get ahead. So if that isn't how she did it, then how did she? Like, was it purely on merit? Like, she's just that good at what she does? Or was it because she, like, was able to string them along just enough?
1: Yeah, it's probably that string them along just enough and everybody made their own compromises to what that was i mean think about how long gretchen carlson put up on it put up with it until she was being demoted and then all of a sudden so believe me none of these women are joan of arc here
3: no
0: (laughs) no and um like i was like i was saying before it's like i think we're living in a world right now where we want our heroes to wear white and our villains to wear black but I don't know. I've always just been more captivated by these shades of gray. Yes. Because to me, that is what... that That's more of a reflection of the real world. And I get that there's an escapism quality, but I think, like, for a lot of people right now, uh, they just given what's going on in the real world uh politically speaking and everything else dealing with sexual harassment and so on and so forth and um it's great that there has been a concentrated effort and movement uh with the me too movement to really uh put an end to this as much as humanly possible because it did run roughshod for decades and went unchecked for so so long i'm I, I i i feel like people are they just don't want to see this movie, uh, and and I and I, I that kind of breaks my heart a little bit. Only because yes, it's about Fox News, but it is still an act that could take place in any workplace, specifically uh, in Hollywood as well. And I, I personally think um, that a lot of Academy members are gonna find a lot to relate to potentially uh, in this movie. And that's a really sad and horrifying truth, but at the same time, it can be very emotionally affecting and very powerful. And hopefully uh, the right takeaway can then happen where we can use this as a way to start a conversation and keep on um, enacting positive change throughout, not just one industry, but multiple industries.
1: Exactly. Um, you know, look, everybody who has a job has made some kind of compromise, even if the compromise is, I don't like to get up in the morning and now I'm getting up in the morning. (laughs) You know, the question is, uh, how far you go. And believe me, this is not limited to media jobs. Uh, when I did sexual harassment law, it was in the government and I worked on 10 different cases that were ranging from he's a monster to she's crazy. And, uh, as i said it's about power and roger ailes for whatever psychosexual reason was intimidated by these strong powerful women and he had to demean them uh, and exert power over them to make him feel good about himself. I guess.
0: Well, maybe if he laid off the donuts, I don't know, things would be different. <laughs> God, they really, really do highlight how much that man just ate like
3: shit.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's really kind of Jabba the Hut in the movie. Yeah,
3: you know, and, he, and he says that you know like, people call me Jabba the Hut, and yeah. it's not my fault that I look like this. And, like, well, oh, no, buddy, I, it I, is. I love the film that acknowledges that, like, actually, it kind of is. Yeah, it, I love that right. 100%. Slate, but...
1: Slate magazine did a, you know, what what's true in the movie and what's not true in the movie. And one of the things they said was, yeah, the Murdoch boys are not that handsome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> Lord, yeah. Oh, that.
3: That was a moment for me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> What's really funny about the uh, the Murdoch uh, family being shown in this movie was all I could think of was Succession. Yes. Well, <laughs> yes because sure. Succession yeah. is based off of the Murdoch family. Yeah. So anyway, I don't want to get too much off on a tangent here. Um, I want to just reiterate that I think the acting by the entire ensemble is pretty phenomenal in this movie. I do think that the movie is very effective in the message that it wants to put out there. I can totally understand optics wise, you know, this movie being written by a man and directed by a man. I can understand why some people would feel that had the movie been co-written or written by a woman, directed by a woman, things might be, things would be different. The question of whether or not it would be better is something that I.
3: That's not something we can know.
0: No. Right. That's true. No. Right. And I think that's I think that's my dilemma with it, because it's like, I want to believe that it would be better. But ultimately, we'll never know.
1: There will be stories like this that will come from women. And and I think it's important that we get some stories from men. You know, when Randolph was speaking uh, at the screening I attended, he said, look, it has to come from somebody like me. I'm the least woke guy in the room. And, uh, if I get the message, then, then that's important, uh, too. But yeah, we have to have, we have to have all those voices there. I want to say that one of the movies that this one made me think of was Nicole Kidman in To Die For, because as you might remember, Mm, that character has quite the Me Too moment.
2: Yes. Mm, Yeah. And it's, it's very interesting too, that people, uh, I've seen a few reviews that have linked this film to the Me Too movement, but this happened a year before the Me Too movement. Right. It, it never had a hashtag. Right. When this happened, these women stood up on their own yeah. uh, at a time when um, it, they couldn't attach themselves to a movement, and um, that's it's that that makes it uh, at least a little more remarkable.
3: Like, and especially since, like you know, these women were who they were. And as we're seeing in the reactions to this movie, there are still people who, for whatever godforsaken reason, don't want to see these women as women. They just want to see them as conservative women. Right. Who yeah. are you know spewing all kinds of hate. And like, I, I get that. There are other things that they have done and they have contributed to this particularly nasty moment in American history. However, their politics such as that goes, is very much not what this movie is about. No. It it is about sort of the culture around that politics and how that made it, in some cases, even more difficult for them to speak up and come forward.
1: Yes, well, it's very instructive that this movie begins... With Megan Kelly asking a perfectly legitimate question mm-hmm. of then long shot candidate Donald Trump yeah. in the in the debate yeah. about yeah. his treatment of women.
3: Well, and then everyone saying, like, oh, she's smart, it's good TV. Right. And then it yeah. going completely out of control. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the beginning of the film, I just
2: wanted to really mention the uh opening guided tour that our uh, tour guide gives Yeah. Us. It's a wonderful touch. It's it's the only time that the fourth wall is broken in this film. Um uh, I think quite. we see well not quite, that's right. But <laughs> we do see uh, but it does show Jay Roach's touch here. Yeah. Uh it does uh it helps a, on a couple of levels. It humanizes Megan Kelly because I think some of us came into the film thinking, Megan Kelly, I know. Mm. Uh, but Charlize Theron's Megan Kelly is different. She says, come on in. This is Fox News. Don't be scared. I'll guide you through it. And here are the players. Here are the floors, all of that. And it right. does, it does it draws you into the film that a straight polemic would never have done.
3: Yeah, I agreed. I I think that a lot of people who are turned off by the tone of the film, they're talking about that scene and how it is, you know, kind of glib glib and fast-paced and more focused on entertainment, I think. But
2: it <laughs> It serves a, an enormous function. It,
3: it does. It serves an enormous function. And once it gets that out of the way to draw you into the story, the film really does get down to the business of being a very serious story. And I think that Jay Roach throughout does have that kind of light touch with the material that keeps it from becoming a polemic or two on the nose, even though there are some moments that should feel like they're very on the nose and very heavy handed, but they don't.
0: I mean, yep. there are some very horrific moments uh, in the movie. We talked about the scene with uh, John Lifko yeah. and uh, Margot Robbie before, yeah. Yeah. but I don't think the film is exploitive or no, grotesque or it It never really because it could. There's a version of this movie yeah. out there that would be almost a straight up tension horror
3: f- horror it film. It would be almost unwatchable.
0: Right. Exactly.
3: And, and the, there is like a lot of. Is particularly in that late scene with Megan and Kayla. There's a lot of dialogue that is just like baldly stating the themes of the movie and the movie's <laughs> thesis. Yeah, thing. but something in Charlize and Margot's performances and Jay Roach's direction of it, it do- it never feels that way.
0: You yeah. know, you know, they definitely elevated because I agree. It's like, all right, this is where we summarize everything. You know, we're gonna make our big grandiose mission statement yeah. now. Uh, this is what we want the takeaway f- to be, and so on and so forth. But you're right, Dan. Um, I don't know if you remember, uh, but you sat next to me when we watched this movie together, and I, <laughs> I couldn't help it. Margot's performance was so good in that moment that I started crying.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, <laughs> I, I couldn't to... help it. She's.
1: Well, to me, that's the point of the movie right there is if she can create that level of empathy and that level of understanding, I think that's wonderful. I want to, since you talked about that opening tour, I want to point out that to me, there was a little bit of a callback to that moment when Kate McKinnon, who can we just say, is wonderful in everything and was great in this. Yes. <laughs> uh, when she gives her little speech about what the attitude of Fox News is, which I thought was just so choice. It,
2: yeah. it, absolutely no. That, that 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 moment was like, okay, now we have another
0: perspective on it. Yeah. yeah. She's uh, she's the one uh, person in the movie I feel like is definitely not being uh, singled out enough yeah. amongst the cast. Um, everyone's talking about the three ladies, Lifko, but no one seems to be talking about Kate McKinnon. Yeah. And that's a shame. Because she has a substantial role in this movie.
3: Yeah, for me, it's her, and it, it's a much smaller part, but Jennifer Morrison, who has a very key yeah. one scene cameo in this movie. But she, I, I was so impressed with her, especially this time around, like how she is able to give this character a complete backstory in one mm. scene with almost nothing but like sideways glances and body language and these perfectly placed pauses in what she's speaking. I, I, she's great. And the thing is like the entire bench of this movie is so deep. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, everyone is just fantastic.
1: Can we say <laughs> Rob Delaney? You kind of yes. mention him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, Al- and
2: Allison Janney as Susan.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> my God, she just nails that voice. Yes. She was fantastic.
2: Yes. Oh, that whiskey and cigarette voice. Jeez, she's got it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Very, very, very entertaining to watch for sure. All right, what I want to do now is I want to uh, take us to final thoughts. So this is the section where uh, we basically either reiterate um, our ultimate thoughts on the film, or bring up something that we didn't get a chance to mention. So, uh, Nell, for you, um, is there anything that you want to mention about Bombshell that you didn't get a chance to do so before?
1: I don't think so. I think I just want to say that I felt that um, that the tone of the movie that we've talked about, some people didn't like the heightened tone. It's not just consistent with Roach's other real-life uh, films, like the the one about the recount and the one about Sarah Palin. It's also... Very much in the tone, the the same tone as Fox News, that kind of heightened tone of Fox News, and so I thought it was especially appropriate and very well done.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we grade out of ten here, uh, whole numbers, no point fives. Uh, so on that scale, what grade would you give Bombshell?
1: I'm giving it a nine.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, Dan Bear,
3: what about you? Um, I like I said, a second viewing of this movie. Made, totally elevated it in my eyes I think it's incredibly smart and I think it does an amazing job with putting the audience into these women's shoes and they're shoes that most of the audience will not want to get into and you just feel what these women are going through every step of the way, the the moral dilemmas and trying to you know, just determine what what are they going to do in this situation. The performances and the way the script lays out what's happening is are, work so well together. and i'm just I'm really, really impressed by it. i I really have lots of strong feelings about this movie, and I think that everyone should see it all right. With an open mind, as much of an open mind as possible.
0: You might be asking for too much there, Dan, but, you know.
3: <laughs> I do what I can. <laughs>
0: I know. I hear you. Uh, what's the grade, man?
3: Um. So initially, after our first viewing, I was at an eight. But now after this, I'm up to a nine. Wow. OK.
0: Tom O'Brien, what about you? Uh,
3: I I
2: really hope that people um take whatever prejudice they have against Fox News, which I certainly had going into this. And discard it because this is a human drama. Mm-hmm. And uh, these women who we have come to know and sometimes come to loathe are depicted here as real people who are really suffering something that many, many women in the workplace are going through. And I, it, I, I don't want to make it sound like this is some sort of didactic movie. It, it's extremely entertaining with really extraordinary performances, especially by uh, Charlize Theron. Uh, But I would say, please, when it comes, go in with an open mind, because I think you're going to come away with something that's both entertaining and enlightening. On my score... I would give
0: it an 8 yeah um, I'm with you on the 8 as well that's where I'm at in fact actually the first time I saw it I, I told you Dan I was like eh it's a 7 you know it's got some tonal issues wasn't a fan of the way it was shot but Margot made me cry so you know what that means oh look at that <laughs> one point up
2: <laughs> well, Negley is crying again
0: uh, so now I have this rule that if a movie makes me cry I automatically give it a uh, one point higher
1: that's an excellent rule
0: Absolutely. I mean, because, you know, if you can get me that invested and to care that much, I think you're doing something right. So... It's an 8 out of 10 for me. Um, I think the makeup is incredible. I think that the performances from everyone are really solid across the board. Really, really good. Um, I am curious to watch it again. Um, I'm going to actually watch it again sometime this week. Um, I want to see, Dan, especially after I read some of your thoughts after the second viewing, I want to see if some of those uh, definitely get heightened for me a little bit. Uh, because I do have some issues with the film and I also want to acknowledge people out there that, you know, we're not trying to be like holier than thou, like we know better than you or know more than you and as a result, you should listen to our opinion and our opinion is right. If you've got an issue with this movie, I'm sure it's founded in something that is really credible and I'm not going to take that away from anyone. It just, it worked for me, you know, and if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you and I think that's okay. Um, And I think that is being reflected right now in the reviews for the film, the 60% on Rotten Tomatoes, like we said before. But also, I think it is uh, translating um, in the awards uh, conversation as well. Because look at the things that are being highlighted right now. Um, The performances you know, of Golden Globe nominations, Screen Actor Guild uh, nominations, uh, the makeup is being highlighted. You don't really see mentions for the screenplay, the direction, uh, best picture. Although I would argue that if enough people do take away from this, the message of the movie on that universal uh, human level, I could see a world where it does crack a best picture lineup still. I think,
2: um, Matt, I think they're, they're, Will, might be enough people who are passionate about this film Yeah. be able to have yeah. those number one slots to get them into a nomination.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see it. I could see it happening, for sure. Uh, my question to you guys, just in terms of where it's at right now in the award season process, um, what else do we think? Uh, do we think this is... Like, what do you have it predicted for as of today, uh, Tom? I have it for...
2: I have it for picture, um, in the probably eight or nine slot, mm-hmm. um, actress, certainly, I mean, this, uh, Theron's performance is one of, to my mind, one of the very best of the season. Uh, Lithgow, I think, is a little shaky. Supporting actor is a, just a bear of a category, and I don't think he's going to get in.
0: I, I thought he had a shot when I saw the film, but it, it doesn't seem like anyone is responding to it. So, no Golden Globe, no Screen Actors Guild, not even Critics' Choice. No, no. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say he's done. Yeah,
2: supporting actress, I think only Robbie gets in. Kidman, I, I mean, Screen Actors Guild loves her. I mean, she got nominated for the Paperboy, for God's sakes. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I think that uh, it's probably only Robbie. Uh, makeup and hairstyling, certainly, and it should win this category. It's going to win it, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Theron's uh, transformation alone is worth that. And mo- uh, most of that is her because she really nails the voice. I mean, I forgot I was watching Charlie's Theron. I thought oh, I was yeah. watching and kelly screenplay again is like supporting actor is another bear of a category that's going to be a tough one but it does have the goods to get in and if it does get in it would be a very very worthy nomination so those are
3: the six i think it's playing but does anyone want to add anything to that um i just want to add that i think margot robbie should win supporting actress and stands an amazing chance of doing so.
1: Wow.
0: I know that this is the Laura Dern appreciation tour and we're all on it right now, I get it. I too would rank Margot Robbie's performance over Dern's personally.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not sure I agree with you on that. I would, that's I fine. Would go Stern, um, or, uh, or I think it may be JLo's year for supporting.
3: I would love to see that happen. Yeah, that, would, oh. that would be kind of amazing, even though I don't love that performance. <laughs> just yeah, just I mean, for
1: the pole dance.
3: I really, I mean.
1: Pole yeah. dance by a 50 year old.
0: I can't do that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll take your word.
0: Yeah, and for anyone who, now I just put that image in their head forever, I apologize deeply. (laughs) We are going to call it a day here. Nell, thank you so much for uh, coming on to the show, uh, for chatting with us. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. It was great having you here. Tell everyone that's listening right now where they can find you and your work on the internet.
1: Uh, You can find me at RogerEbert.com and at MovieMom.com.
3: Awesome. And Dan Bear, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at dance and dan on film. Tom. And I'm on
2: Twitter at Thomas E. O'Brien.
0: And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Bombshell here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, ACAST CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really, really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time we we'll